Hey, and welcome back to another episode of Control Alt Azure. This episode is sponsored by Solveto. Stay ahead of the game and advance your career with continuous learning opportunities for Azure cloud professionals. So let you EduHouse learning as a lifestyle. Start your journey now on eduhouse.fi slash cloudpro. I'm Tobias. I'm back again with UC. What's up? Hey, Tobias. What I'm trying to do these days, I'd say in the past couple of weeks, I'm trying to be more conscious of how I spend my time. And I, I might have mentioned this before, and it might sound that I haven't been more conscious on how I spend my time, but I figured there's always room for improvement to optimize things a little bit more. So for me, this means less screen time, which equals to less apps on my mobile devices. And what I've found is that I also do now more phone calls these days. So typically you have an endless amount of, of chat groups and instant messaging, hangarounds and whatnot. And I figured, let me call people more. And this is funny because I feel people call, call much less nowadays. And there's this funny feeling when you pick up the phone, you have five minutes, you want to call somebody and then you go like, well, maybe that person is busy. Let me let me not call him. Let me WhatsApp with him. And then you spend 30 minutes on WhatsApp with that same person. And I've, I've started to really dislike this. So trying to make more phone calls nowadays, but then trying to use less apps at the same time. All right. Yeah, that makes sense. Going a little bit towards the analog, yeah. which I which I like. That's how I used to spend my non-working hours as well. Uh, disconnect more. For me, talking about analog, I took a very windy bike tour in the villages surrounding my village and uh, over the weekend, and I found a candy factory in one of the villages nearby. And we're talking about small, small, small villages. I only found it because when I passed by the area, it started smelling so good that I really had to stop and figure out where does that come from? And apparently, after using my nose a little bit to try and triangulate this, there's a village nearby, uh, which perhaps I estimate have about 400 houses or something, so pretty tiny. There's a candy factory hidden behind a tree line. It's super tiny, but definitely a new excursion that I'm going to plan with the family to go visit there. They had a small note handwritten on the on the door saying, we don't usually take visitors, but if you really want to come visit, you know, here's my private number. Give me a call anytime and we'll set something up. So it's super tiny. The building is, you know, smaller than my actual house. So it's a tiny, tiny building, you know, in the countryside behind a tree line, but they produce candy and it smells so good. So I am very excited to go there, book a visit, come with the family and see how they actually make candy in this place. Yeah, that's what I've been up to. That sounds awesome. I I know that a candy factory in my village, that would be my kryptonite. I would always just cycle there. Yeah, let's get some candy. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just going to take a bike ride. <laughs> exactly. Alrighty, some community highlights. There is an interesting announcement from Microsoft. So this is by Tim Hoyer on the C Sharp dev kit for Visual Studio Code. And the aim is to bring C Sharp development experience to Linux, Mac OS, and Windows. Yeah, that's a nice one. I also found one by Arian Aurora about integrating power apps with Azure Machine Learning and OpenAI. And that's not Azure OpenAI, but just OpenAI APIs using Power Automate. Um, that's in the tech community by a pre-final year student pursuing his uh, B-Tech in computer engineering, which is pretty cool. So 
well-written, well-structured, uh, you know, start to finish, super simple type of tutorial to get started with using OpenAI. Okay, that looks interesting. I'll be sure to have a look as well. And we have the links for both of these uh, blogs in the show notes. So today's episode is about getting started with the Dev Tunnel CLI. It's a small, but I feel a highly useful tool called the Dev Tunnel CLI, which is now in the public preview. So I've played around a little bit with this, but I've had the need for this for at least 10 years, and I'm happy there's a supported open source CLI for this. And before we dive deeper, Toby, is this something you've been exposed to, the DevTunnel CLI? It's not something I'm using in my daily work right now, but to your point, this is something I needed in the last 10 years, because when we dive into some of the use cases and like why this is beneficial and, and the things we like about it, I think that, you know, if we had this some years ago when we were working on specific things, that would have at least made things a little bit easier. So I don't think it's a game changer. Like it, it's not going to change your entire landscape of how you work, but it is going to enable you to do things a lot easier. Um, and we'll get into that. So that that's my exposure. Okay, fair enough, fair enough. And for me, this is essentially removing a little bit of friction on certain things I may might end up developing on on Visual Studio. I'm I'm not a huge VS Code user myself, so I typically open Visual Studio 2022. But recently, I've been forced to also do VS Code mainly because of some PowerShell related stuff. But back to Dev Tunnel, what it is? It's a secure tunnel for your local web services. So what you do is you connect Dev Tunnel to your local development environment. Perhaps you are developing an Azure function. So you're exposing that Azure function while you're debugging it in, let's say, in Visual Studio. And then it exposes that through the cloud for whatever else needs to connect with that Azure function. So as an IT pro, I would think of this as an Azure AD application proxy, but for developers. That doesn't make any sense, but I, in, in my head, I felt it made more sense. <laughs> and I, I really like this from like the, the use case angle, looking back at many of the projects I've been working on. I, I really like this, how you can host things localhost and you can invite someone to take a look at it. Hey, test my localhost app, test my thing that I, I just spun it up in Visual Studio or Visual Studio Code, whatever. It's up and running but it's not published. I don't have a pipeline. I don't have it hosted in the cloud. It's just running on my laptop right now, but I still want to you know, offer a second opinion by a colleague or I want someone to take a look at it. You can use that by setting this up and say, hey, here's the URL. You can now, using that, you're gonna tunnel into my local host you know, to, to see the what is now running from Visual Studio in the debugger, whatever. And you can do uh, kind of joint sessions on figuring things out way before you set up pipelines and get things in. So in a way, shifting left, not from a security perspective, but from a development perspective, try things out, uh, out a little easier, a little earlier. So yeah. I, I really like that. Yeah, I really like this as well. And, and partially for my workflow, because I don't really create new APIs on a daily basis. It might be once a month that I'm tasked in creating something. It's typically a small tool or, or a small fix for something larger. And this helps me in connecting whatever rudimentary code I initially have running. It doesn't yield any warnings. It builds, it compiles, so it's perfect for me. 
and I can now connect this with something external. Before we talk more about the use cases, because there's plenty, uh, a word on security, because initially when you're using this, you want to authenticate those requests. So Azure AD, GitHub Authentication support it, and you are also getting persistent URLs. So whatever tunnel you're exposing, that same URL will remain. And you can also inspect the tunnel traffic. So once you open the tunnel, there's a separate URL you can use to inspect what is going, going to happen in the tunnel. It looks like the DevTools interface in your favorite browser. And I kind of like this approach that I can spin up the tunnel. I need to authenticate once. And once that up and running, I can keep running the tunnel and inspect what's happening in there. So you, you set up security, you set up AAD or GitHub auth as the host setting it up. But then what about someone visiting? Like, can you allow anonymous? Will this link be anonymously available? Or does the kind of receiving end or the whoever is connecting to the dev tunnel, do they also need to be connected to AAD and GitHub? Do you need to grant them permissions? Do you need to give them access and authorize them to to use it? Or do you have anonymous mode on that? So I, I feel the tool is initially uh, designed and, and meant for developers running stuff locally and then them testing something locally as well, perhaps through Azure or the cloud in general. So for that, you always have your existing authentication session already in place. So when you set up the tunnel, you might do Azure AD auth and then you open a separate tab to test something and you have that same authentication session token in there. But what you can do, you can enable a specific tunnel because you can have multiple tunnels. You can enable a specific tunnel as anonymous. That's one option. But you can also do access tokens, which means you can expose that tunnel to an external system. And that external system would then pass an access token that you might pass on to somebody else. Please use this token to access my tunnel. Let's see how it works. I'm debugging on my end to see what's happening in the tunnel. I would think this would be one of the use cases. All right, yeah, that's good. So on the on the other use cases, I think I already mentioned the Azure function because typically you might be creating an Azure function locally and then you need to connect something for that. One of the use cases that Microsoft highlights for this is using Power Platform. So perhaps you're creating a Power App you are adding a custom connector so that your Power App can connect with a custom API you are managing. And that custom connector would then travel through the dev tunnel to whatever is exposed on your local host. So that could be an Azure function, a custom API app, something that is typically a web-based endpoint. I would say a RESTful endpoint, if you will. I'm not sure if you can pass something else through this, but you're mostly limited to TCP and UDP, a custom port, and typically HTTP verbs. That's essentially how I would approach using this. Do you come up with any any other use cases you might think of using this for? But I think one of the things that I don't think we touched on that in this episode, but I, I know we've talked about it in the past and we've had that use case for many years. So you stand something up, you develop something, and then you need to run some kind of browser extension to emulate what it might look like on a mobile device or on a tablet or some other kind of device. So here I see that angle where you stand a tunnel up like that and then say, let's connect actually 
using my actual phone. Let's connect using my actual tablet to get the full experience with the touch and with the whatever devices you have. So now you can connect from any device back to the tunnel and take a look and, and try things out. But I, but I also like what you just said about RESTful APIs, anything that is web-based and RESTful, that you have this API, you can, I assume you can hit it using Postman. I assume you can use whatever kind of REST tools you have in your toolbox to try things out, which is probably going to increase your dev workflow a little bit as well. But I, I absolutely love this thing where you can use a different device. You can probably connect from things like Logic Apps. I, I think you mentioned using the Power Platform. You have custom connectors and all that stuff. Same with Logic Apps. I mean, Logic Apps is still a pretty big thing. There's a lot of organizations using it. So instead of now publishing something to the cloud and then starting to try the integration between Logic Apps and whatever you built, you can do that from localhost using that tunnel and say, hey, Logic Gap, here's the thing you need to connect to. Here's how that's going to work. And all of a sudden, you're trying things out before you even have to set up the pipelines and stuff like that. So yeah, I, I think it's like looking at the bigger picture. Again, this is not a game changer that changes the playing field like we recently experienced with, for example, ChatGPT and Azure OpenAI. That's changing things for everyone, for a lot of things. This is more like, here's a really nice thing you put in your backpack of tools. Whenever you need it, you pull it out. And that's something that I, again, what you also mentioned, been missing for quite some years it's gonna it's gonna help but it's still fairly limited scope to you know the the benefits it will bring in the bigger picture but nevertheless an important thing to understand that you have this now you can save quite a bit of time uh, and effort in doing these things using the tunnel as opposed to you know kick everything off publishing the cloud or set up integration and then figure out that it doesn't work and then go back to the drawing board and figure things out so you can iterate quicker on things. And I, I, that's that's the win for me. You can make things happen quicker. You can realize what works and what doesn't work quicker. And you can test in integrations quicker. That's, that, that is well said. I need to highlight here because you mentioned Logic Apps. And just this past weekend, I was building something for myself with Logic Apps. And I realized that the new designer experience in Logic Apps is finally now in public preview. I think we've mentioned this in one of the past Azure Update episodes, but at the time, the new designer was not in place, and it's much faster now, especially when you work with connectors. So, so go and have a look at that as well. So the dev tunnel capability also works in Visual Studio 2022 and VS Code without dev tunnel CLI. So if you have a recent version of, of VS or VS Code, you can select your project, right-click, select Dev Tunnels, and create a tunnel. But the Dev Tunnel CLI gives you much more configuration options you can enable, and you can also script this and automate things. So to set it, set this up, you need to download the Dev Tunnel CLI binary. It's available for Windows, Mac OS, and Linux. And once you have that, from a command prompt or a terminal, you run Dev Tunnel user login and this will open up authentication in in azure ad and you can choose which which identity you want to use and then all you have to do is to expose the tunnel and it's super simple dev tunnel host dash p for port and the port number this will expose the given port number externally and it will print out 
the public URL you can now use to connect to that one. But obviously you need to run something on that port. So you need to have a local web server or an Azure function or, or Visual Studio debug session running that will pick up that port as well. So as an option, you can also run dev tunnel in an echo mode. So it can mimic an API for you and it allows you now, now to uh, connect with that one. Any other thoughts on the setup? Because it's for, for me, I feel it's it's quite straightforward. You download the binary and you run it. Yeah, no, that there's nothing to say about that. You download, kick it off, that's it. But yeah, I, I think that's the, the interesting things as this kind of evolves is to try and figure out how does all these other things work with access control? How does it work with permissions? How does it work at scale? Can I enable this for an entire team? What would that look like? What would things look like if I have 15 developers and testers and I want to make sure that we're doing something on my machine and I figure something out that is still a huge pile of work that is you know, not even ready for a draft PR, but more, all right, I figured something out. Can everyone come in and take a look and try it out? And they, you know, that's kind of the scenarios I want to hear more about from the field when, when people start using it. But yeah, uh, on the setup, no, nothing to say there. But I, I think this is, again, this is a great additional tool in your toolbox. I think it's something that's going to help make things easier. But yeah, I'd love to, when it's been in the wild for a little bit longer, to understand how does people use that for debugging? Can you, can you and will you use it for more elaborate debugging? Can you debug it? I never tried that with dev tunnels. Can you, if you set up a dev tunnel, can you F9 through it? Can you debug it when someone else hits the endpoint? So if you're coming in from your mobile phone to the endpoint through the dev tunnel, can you step through in Visual Studio, for example? I haven't tried that. I assume that's possible. I would assume that's possible, but I haven't tried it because that would be a real killer fe feature where you can now say, you know, colleague number one, let's try this out. You jump on with your phone to this app and let's try things out in real time. You find a bug, you find why it happens, you fix it and you run it again, you try it out. That's kind of the scenarios I anticipate would be really interesting to to try out. Yeah, the, uh, the diagnostic endpoints giving you the dev tools like experience, it's quite good because you can see the individual calls to the public end of your dev tunnel and what is happening in there, how long it took and, and what was transmitted over the tunnel. And, and it's not to say you couldn't do this somehow differently, but I like there's a tiny, small CLI allowing you to do an, this sort of an ad hoc exposure of something. The tunnels stay up and running for 30 days if there's no activity. So you can keep on running one, and if there's nothing happening, it will shut down after 30 days. But if there's even something happening on the tunnel, it will remain open. So it doesn't have to be a tunnel that you open now and shut down in an hour. You can just keep it running on a server, perhaps. You deploy whatever you need in there to keep on testing continuously on something, perhaps an on-prem API where you need to create a connector, but there's something you need to tweak for a couple of weeks. I feel you could expand the usage of the DevTunnel CLI for that too, I think. All right. Yeah, sounds good.
Alrighty, so go take a look at DevTunnel CLI. There's a link in the show notes for the um, download instructions. It is also open source, so there's a link to the uh, GitHub repo on the DevTunnel CLI. I did have a look. There's a couple of issues on. Somebody was complaining that this is not working if your browser locale is set to Italian. I did not try this myself, but if it's still a problem and if you choose to use Italian in your browser, that might be a blocker for you. Alrighty, the last bit we have is the uh, is the unexpected question, and this is uh, from Toby to me. Go ahead. All right, so I I just thought of a question. First, think of a product, any product. Now, what would be the absolutely worst brand name for that product? This is a tough one. I'm I'm usually horrible at coming up with brand names, even though it didn't take me long to come up with, with the company names that I have. And I like to think they're great names, but <laughs> think of a product. So let's think of a product. Let's think of a phone, a, a mobile phone, because I'm I'm looking at one now. It's it's doing my timekeeping for this episode. The absolute worst brand name for, for one of those those products. Do you recall back to the days? I think you do. When we didn't have fixed internet connectivity, we had, we had modems. Mm-hmm. So when you closed a connection, you would get no carrier because you didn't have the, the dial tone. So I, I think that would be the absolute worst brand name, have a no carrier for a phone because anybody over 35 or 40 would instantly associate that, oh, so it doesn't have connectivity. All right, I'm going to start calling my phone that now. Okay, sounds good. Alrighty, <laughs> thanks for joining us. See you next week. All right, see you then. 